0: Now to the latest on the coronavirus. The United States is reporting the highest number of deaths in a single day. Key news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans Mayor into said He has said uh, before this point that we are on the brink of shutting down again. He on doubled average, down on more than 4,700 people are dying around the world from COVID-19 linked illnesses every 24 hours. From January
1: 1st, 2020, the Daily News read like an over-the-top disaster movie script. One an agent might describe as outlandish and not very realistic, but a page-turner nonetheless. So how did a year that was more outlandish than any movie affect the industry that makes them? My name is Ana Sierra, and for the past decade, I have worked as an assistant director in the film industry and a production coordinator in the commercial world. I am currently a COVID coordinator, working with the second biggest production studio in the US. In this podcast, I'll take you through everything from the obvious to the intricate to help document how one of the most historic years in U.S. history completely reshaped the way we tell stories. Whether you're in the industry or not, you've probably heard of it. It's become one of the most well-known roles in movies right after director and producer. Shortly after the white paper was released, online courses started popping up here and there. Some were free and only took a few minutes. Some were expensive and took a few hours. And some were only available through unions. But all of a sudden, you had a score of people interjecting themselves in crewing up groups on Facebook or in various producers' inboxes, all stating the same tremendous claim, I am a certified COVID compliance officer. There's a few issues with this claim, not the least of which being that there is actually no proper certification to become a CCO. There's no union for the role. There's a number of courses available on the web, but each one only provides you with a certificate of completion, which in no way certifies you to be a CCO, it just shows you past a class. And on top of that, there's a lot of confusion about what exactly a CCO is. Many non-union productions see the CCO as their get-out-of-jail-free card. They think they can continue to do their production exactly the same way that they would have before COVID, but because they have a random crew member labeled as a COVID compliance officer, They think they're being compliant. The truth is, a single CCO does not a COVID department make. In fact, the Safeway Forward introduces two key roles that are required at minimum to make up the department. The paper describes a health and safety manager, typically referred to as an HSM, and a health and safety supervisor, which is actually the proper term for a CCO. In an industry white paper that was released as a precursor to the Safe Way Forward, the role was called a COVID-19 compliance officer. With the release of the final union guidelines, they changed the title to HSS. But by then the term CCO had become so widespread within and outside of the industry, that's the one that stuck. So, why is a CCO not enough? And why can just anyone with a 15-minute course certificate and a bag of mini hand sanitizers not call themselves a CCO? It's actually very simple. The Safe Way Forward states, quote, The premise is that whereas the CCO understands epidemiology, the health and safety manager understands production, end quote. You can't have one without the other. And together, they make up the dream team. Diane Curley has been a registered nurse for over 20 years and was in a supervision role at her local hospital before transitioning into the film industry as a COVID compliance officer. She has an extensive infection prevention background as well as studied contact tracing with Johns Hopkins Online. So she was the perfect type of person to excel in this new role on a film set. So Diane, what are some of the biggest misconceptions people seem to have about becoming
0: a CCO. I think a lot of what I see and hear is that anybody can do it, that you can just log on, take a quick course, become certified, and go ahead and herd the, the cats <laughs> and have them do what you say and that you have all this power. And it's really so much more than a quick course and it's more than power. It's, it's leadership.
1: What sort of training do you think is the minimum to be able to properly
0: call yourself a CCO? What kind of training did you do? I really think having a medical background is appropriate for this role. Um, Knowing how infections spread and knowing how you can prevent infections from spreading and keep people safe and a medical background also teaches you things about therapeutic communication and conflict resolution. So that's all born into what we do, whether you're an EMT or an RN you have that background of, in your learning about conflict resolution and leadership and therapeutic communication, as well as the nuts and bolts of infection prevention and being able to educate people as well is an important part of it. So I think that if, having that medical background gives you all of those so-called soft skills coupled with your medical knowledge to really um, be an asset to the production. Um, the training I've had is my RN background. I have a master's degree and I've also my experiences out in the field with disaster management training all over the world. And then I started my first CCO job was on a smaller production and it was coupled with an HSM, who we were talking about a little earlier, is has the production experience. So together we made a great team and still work together to this day. Since
1: this job didn't really exist until a few months ago, who are the kind of people that have found their way into this job? What background do they come from? And how do they end up in the film industry as
0: CCOs? Uh, in my um, short experience, because this uh, I started working uh, August 3rd of 2020, and um, imagine that's when a lot of us came into the field with the safe way forward. I I think that RNs were initially drawn to this EMTs, medics, etc. This this misconception that really anybody can do it. Like if you were a PA, now you can be a CCO or an HSM. If you were you know a, a set medic who has a particular set of skills and definitely can translate well, but you do need to partner up with somebody. It is it's not a one man show i rely on my hsm and my hsm relies on me and together with some additional staffing we keep this the safe set and the crew and the cast safe you know but thinking that you can just like oh that sounds good i wonder if that pays well you know oh that'll get me more than the minimum pa salary is really setting yourself up for failure as well as the production
1: Before the pandemic, there was a very strict hierarchy that started with the executive producer and trickled down through the -the above-the-line crew. Now, suddenly the CCO comes in, who has ultimate veto power on certain things, even over the EP. What kinds of things are in your jurisdiction to pause, push, veto, etc.?
0: Any kind of moves that I make are not unilateral. I have a discussion with the first AD if the room is too crowded and we'll talk about that and get ways to get the occupancy down. I'll have a discussion with the UPM if things are moving too fast and cast and crew are feeling the pressure from production to keep this moving. Um, So nothing I do is unilateral. I, I, I really feel that just wielding your power and saying I have the authority to shut this down is not productive or really keeping people safe. So I view my role as, you know, a relationship with production, with my environmental health and safety team, with the cast and crew, with the above the line talent and and producers, etc. That I, I, I don't go in and unilaterally say, this is unsafe and we're shutting down. I will always have a discussion so that we can make it better. We can improve it and we can have the set safe for that day. Power without leadership is just that power and it wouldn't serve us well. So although in the way Forward, it, uh, it says we have this power, and that's great, I think it's important that we use that wisely. What happens if a producer refuses to honor your guidance? I actually had that struggle. Everybody kind of wanted to just move forward on a particular scenario, and I stood my ground, and it went to the highest levels, and tons of discussions and tons of discussions. Ultimately, we did pause... Uh, my recommendations were taken into consideration and followed, but I will say that it was not easy. I was surprised that it had to get that far, honestly. But this is all new to everybody, and ultimately, me standing my ground on that, because I knew I was right. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. Like, to me, it wasn't a gray area. It was, it was quite the bottle. Mm-hmm. Let's
1: talk about your other half, the health and safety manager. What are the main differences between a CCO and an
0: HSM? Well, like I said before, my health and safety manager—we've um, stayed together, and he is awesome. His name is Matt Hudson. He's from LA. He has that production background for nine years, so he taught me a lot of the language, a lot of the hierarchy, which the hierarchy doesn't exist anymore in healthcare. In healthcare, we've kind of overcome that, and we're the playing field is level, and we're all a team. And to find that in the film industry, it was still a a very secure hierarchy um, that needed to be followed. So these were the things I learned from him and that we worked together on. And then I shared any medical knowledge that I had. And so working together, we don't step on each other's toes. We just complement each other. And we go to each other and um, rely on each other to make the set safe, realizing it's not about me. Oh, I'm the CCO. And it's not about Matt oh, I'm the HSM, it's no. It's about the cast and the crew. What
1: kind of correspondence do you have with HSM? How does this sort of symbiotic relationship benefit the production?
0: Well, we talk, you know, every day. Even uh, I might be on set and, and Matt might be scouting a location. And, but every day we're in communication, phone, text, email, and in-person communication. It's just constant. Whether it's about testing, protocols... It's really a constant flow of communication between the two of us. And neither of us feels intimidated by anything or asking any question. So communication is key, really key. And really putting aside any ego you may or may not have is very important. And this is similar to what I teach my nurses is it's not about us, it's about the patient. So similarly in this industry, it's not about me, the CCO, or Matt, the HSM, or any of my COVID support team. It really is about the cast and the crew. If we keep that focus, we won't get um, drawn into some sort of battle over the protocols or why we're doing this. We're doing it for them.
1: Do you think this job should stick around, or will the
0: end of the pandemic make it unnecessary? I think this role is, is here to stay because there'll be the next crisis And I think that having um, somebody with a medical background, an RN or EMT, similar, on set assuring the Cass and Cruz health and safety is this is just an aha moment that this is needed in, in other areas as well. And we just work together with EHS and with production.
1: If you didn't understand already, hopefully by now you're starting to realize why low-budget or non-union productions hiring a single CCO to cover their entire COVID department are not even close to being compliant. The COVID compliance officer has a unique and important role to play in a production. But if you've ever watched a soapy hospital drama, you already know that medical professionals have practically their own language. However, if you're not in the film industry, you may not know that we have our own language too. Just read Strike the Baby and Kill the Blonde by Dave Knox. So how do we translate everything the CCO needs into something that's actually doable in the very complex world of production? That's where our good friend, the HSM, comes in. Kevin Christensen is a health and safety manager who has advised safety plans for and supervise the covid compliance of projects for Netflix, ABC, Facebook, and more. With a background in healthcare and production, Kevin has been safely getting crews back to work from Los Angeles to Atlanta. What is the main job of an HSM?
2: So, there's been a lot of a lot of shifting around of of what these positions and titles mean because a lot of times these kind of vary from set to set. But the main idea for health and safety manager is that this is someone who understands production, understands the protocols, the guidelines, the regulations from everything from uh, what's been put together with the return to work guidelines, from all the unions, to what the county regulations are, to what OSHA is saying, to what the CDC is saying, and being able to talk with other department heads and say, hey guys, here's how we're, here's how we're putting it into plain English. What all of this stuff means is you need to do this, or that person needs to be in that area, or this person can't go over to that area. So they kind of take all of this complex information and and these guidelines and break it down into simple steps that departments and crew members and cast can understand.
1: What kind of training does one require to become a health and safety manager?
2: So... (laughs) Uh, again, there's like no standard with anything yet. Um, you can you can go and take a 20 minute class that's free, and you'll get a certificate online. You can also go and pay several hundred dollars and sit through hours of courses that are taught by live professionals, you know, over Zoom. And there may be coursework, uh, and and you'll get another certificate that, in total honesty, it it carries the same weight, really. Um, I think what it comes down to at the end of the day is, is if you can pull the job off. Are you able to understand how a set works, who to talk to, who to go to when there's problems and how to think in advance to be able to anticipate problems that may arise and know how to how to put those things together so that that way you're keeping everyone safe but you're also keeping production flowing. So, you know, to some extent it's really about who can vouch for you, what projects have you worked on before, do you understand this stuff, and I think that producers have a responsibility to to vet these people you know ask them a few simple questions tell me the differences between you know the PCR tests what's a what's an RT PCR uh, you know what what's uh, what are these rapid tests I hear about and what you know and, and see if they can explain this stuff to you and ask them you know when when do we need to shut down a set um, how does that work what constitutes an outbreak how do you handle that and and if they're kinda struggling to be able to explain that to you then you may want to go find someone who can explain that a little better? Because right now, theres it's kind of the Wild West when it comes to certifications. And I think a lot of it comes down to sitting down one-on-one and saying, tell me your experience and tell me how you would handle these problems if they arise.
1: What does your department typically look like?
2: So with, with very large productions, you're going to have a health and safety supervisor. And this is someone who understands the epidemiology of how COVID-19 is playing out on set, then you're going to have your health and safety manager. The health and safety manager is going to take the orders from the health and safety supervisor and put those into action. They're going to be in production meetings explaining how you need to break out into pods. If a show is doing pods, they're going to be making sure that people are tested in at the right time, communicating with um, with department heads, letting them know before you bring onboard new crew or you have a vendor coming. Here are the things that you need to know about and and please notify me so we can get people tested in. And then you may have one, two, you might even have you know three or more um, testing coordinators because testing testing can be a bear. I mean, you've got some individuals that are going to have to be tested. Sometimes they want them tested daily. And so that's a lot of coordination to do. And then you have your COVID team PAs. And these folks will help you sometimes with check in or passing out PPE. They'll also keep an eye out on people and see if they're, you know, being compliant, keeping their masks on, staying apart. But I don't think that they have as much of an obligation to to step in and distance people because you know they're quite frankly they're not paid as much as COVID compliance officers are and so they have a duty to report what they see but it's really you know that's really the duty of the the monitors or officers to step in and say hey guys I get that this is a very important conversation and you may be two very important people but COVID doesn't care so you still need to step apart (laughs) so when you get into larger productions sometimes you may have anywhere between a 1 to 10, uh, 1 to 20 ratio of um, COVID positions to, to crew. And, and that doesn't even include the, the nurses that are going to come through. Um, you're going to have sanitation crews that all they do is go to our different, our different bathrooms, our different high touch points, and they are constantly on a routine of sanitizing things.
1: Just like with the CCOs, the role of an HSM didn't really exist until a few months ago. Who are the kind of people that have found their way into this job? What background do they come from? And how do they end up in the role of HSM?
2: I've worked with a variety of people that have a pretty diverse background. I've met people who were producers. So they they were really good at knowing how all the different departments interact with each other and who to go f- go to for what. I've met people that were, they were paramedics. Uh, one person I worked with was uh, was a paramedic and former bodybuilder. Um, <laughs> I've worked with other people that they had backgrounds of being assistant directors, people who were coordinators, some people who may have been uh, key set PAs, and they really learned this stuff well, and they, you know, they, they were able to to apply those skills now with all of these new guidelines. So it's it's been a variety of, of individuals. And that's why I said earlier, you know, it really comes down to, do you know your stuff? Can you communicate well? And at the end of the day, can you keep production flowing while keeping people safe.
1: You're kind of the missing link here between two vastly different and complex industries, the bridge between the medical side and the production side. Can you talk a bit about this?
2: So as a health and safety manager, it's really important to be able to understand how the virus spreads, what types of scenarios are going to increase the likelihood of viral spread and then be able to translate that into you know, a production environment. For example, when you're outdoors and you've got you know, good sunlight and lots of ventilation everywhere, your likelihood of spread is going to significantly decrease. So we may be a little bit more relaxed in um, how we're enforcing certain policies in an outdoor space. Uh, so that's kind of where, where that, uh, that skill set comes into play, is taking, taking that, that knowledge of medicine, science, epidemiology, and just all the new discoveries about COVID-19 and applying that into practical applications. So with my background, I'd had, I'd had experience working for Kettering Health Network and that's, that was part of where I, I learned the importance of, of HIPAA and how that plays in when you're doing any kind of photography or marketing or, or film shoots, um, You know, keeping things private and managing people's privacy, which is something very important with test results. But then I'd also had experience with, with production um i I'd, I'd opened my own uh, production company and i've i've produced projects in LA and Atlanta and so bringing, bringing those things together really helped with with these roles so it's kind of that combination of the two and and a big piece of it is just being well read you know keeping up with all these things because we keep learning new things all the time the best way to be informed about covid-19 is spending your free time reading the latest just all the latest news Especially peer-reviewed scientific studies, and and understanding it that that's that's the best way to to be an expert on COVID right now.
1: Do you have any thoughts about the future of this department?
2: I, I'm really interested to see uh, what's going to happen with this department <laughs> because I I don't think that it's going away anytime soon. Um, you know, on the bare minimum level, I think that we may have somebody who's still sticking around to oversee health and safety, you know, in the same way that we never, you know, at some point in film history, there was never a medic on set and someone decided, you know, that's probably a good idea to have a medic on set. And now every union production always has a medic on set. So, you know, I wonder if we're going to have, if we're going to have some kind of department that sticks around with that on a bare minimum level, but, but also, you know, when you look at what's happened with this pandemic and there's questions about is, is this even still a pandemic or is it an endemic? Um, and how long is this going to continue? You look at how, how difficult it's been for people who qualify to get vaccines who still can't get vaccines. You look at how many people still, even with, with accessibility to vaccines through their employer, still don't want to get vaccinated. And then you look at the level of new strains that keep developing. And there's a lot of questions about, you know, if we're going to need booster shots to keep up with these strains. And just looking at the way that that's going, I, I just would encourage especially producers and people that are putting together projects now to think in terms of the way that it is now is probably going to continue for a while. This is not going to go away anytime soon. So instead of looking at, looking at that as a negative thing of, oh, this is, this is the worst thing ever. Look at this as an opportunity for innovation.
1: So the dream team was born, the CCO and the HSM, the COVID compliance officer and the health and safety manager. But under them is an entire department that has been working for the past year. Many of whom, including myself, have stepped away from their usual roles on set to fulfill these new jobs in this new department. And while it's nice to be working, there are some pretty big downsides to working in the COVID department, mainly the lack of union representation. For example, despite the fact that I have collected over 100 union days since March as a COVID coordinator, those don't apply to any union. Even the local 871 that covers coordinators doesn't really have a place for me. And while one of the few upsides of being a PA is gaining DGA days, COVID PAs don't qualify. HSMs and COVID coordinators, who were previously producers and ADs, just spent the last year in limbo as far as their guilds are concerned. Some have called for the unionization of the COVID department. But if we were to make a union, does that mean we're expecting these jobs to stick around? Isn't the goal to make these jobs obsolete and return to quote unquote normal? Or are some of the changes brought on by this pandemic worth retaining? Has COVID changed the film industry just for now, or has it changed it forever? In the next episode, we'll dig deeper into the ramifications of these changes and how they might affect the future of filmmaking with the role that used to be the head safety officer on set, the assistant director. Thanks for listening. If you want to be a guest on our podcast and share your story about how COVID changed your job in the film industry, email Anna at com. That's A-N-N-A at A-N-N-A-S-C-H-I-E-R-A dot com. Join us next time on Compliance, How COVID
2: Changed the Film Industry.